Hi, Mama. Excited you're back for part three of diving into restoration theory. Today, we're going to dig in a little bit more, and I can't wait. I love this stuff. I hope you're loving it too. But first, I just wanted to start by saying make sure you're sharing these podcasts, not because I want to feel important or even because I want to grow. I just know this stuff is powerful. And so I want you to bring in the people in your world that you know need this. Bring them in on this. Send them a screenshot of the podcast. Uh, Share it in your Instagram or on Facebook. Make sure you tag me so I can thank you. I I just know this stuff is life-changing. And so make sure that you are inviting people in on it. And I can just brag on it all day because I didn't create it. But I know how awesome and life-changing it has been for me. And I'm really believing it's going to be true for you too. So don't be selfish. Share it with some other people. And yeah, I'm excited to jump in further. Let's do this. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. All right, Mama. So today we're going to jump into diving into our feeling words. So these are are the feelings that come up from these moments of pain. So last week we talked about what we do when we feel pain. And we start there because honestly, sometimes it's just easier to identify. It's it's usually outward, right? We are yelling at someone or we are closing ourselves up in our rooms or you know whatever it is we're doing it's 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 more visible than these these pain words that we're going to be looking for today. And so sometimes if you can look at those outward behaviors first it can help you better identify these pain words that are actually the things that come before that destructive behavior we talked about. And I just want to remind you that I did not create this content. It is so amazing, and I am obsessed. I'm not the creator. One of my professors, Dr. Terry Hargrave, is the one that created Restoration Theory, and he's amazing, and there's going to be all kinds of information for you in the show notes. So going into feelings, we're not just looking at, like, you know, you've heard some of these core feelings. People say, like, had, mad, like, happy, sad angry. We're not talking about that. We're talking about going into uh, more of the core feelings. And these are generally developed when we're kids. So the main three sources of where these pain feelings come from, we're going back to Restoration Theory Part 1, Episode 15, I believe. The three sources are our family of origin, It can also just be situations we experience. So maybe it's not a parent specifically doing this, but it could be growing up in poverty or experiencing racism or even like feeling out of control because, you know, you you weren't born tall enough to really be in the NBA, like things that are out of your control, experiencing those kind of situations. 
And then the third is people outside of your family. So just like your parents can wound you, there can be people outside of your family, bullies, teachers, you name it. They can also create these wounds inside of you. And also if you'll remember these these pain feelings come from a violation of love or safety. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, be sure to go check out Restoration Theory Part 1, where we dive into all of this and what that looks like. And just like we talked about in the last episode, which is Restoration Theory Part 2, our brains are lazy. Our brains like the paths of least resistance. So our brains do the same thing over and over again. It's not that we're doing a hundred different things. We're doing one thing in a hundred different ways. So the same is true of our core feelings. We generally have about three core pain feelings that we experience again and again. And these core pain feelings are what trigger that destructive coping that we talked about in the last episode. And next episode, I'm going to bring all of it together. But today, we're just going to really focus on identifying these pain words. Just like our destructive coping that is true across time, our pain feelings are going to be true across time. So as you are digging into this and as you are trying to figure out what are your core pain words? What are your three feelings that you feel again and again, regardless of the people, regardless of the situation? Those are your your go-tos. So since they're true across time, you can go back to your childhood and you can look at some of those things that came up from your parents and you can identify what those feelings might be. Now, all of them are derived from either, you know, big picture, either unloved or unsafe, because we're talking about safety and love being the two things that you really need to make you fully healthy. There's always going to be a violation in there somewhere, whether it's from your family of origin, a situation, or other people. There's always going to be that violation. But these these are the two branches that these words are going to come off of, unloved and unsafe. Now, I really think it's helpful to have the full list of words that you can look at so that you can really identify like what word resonates with you. Because yeah, they 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 all go up to these two core words, but there is a lot of different variation in there. And you really want to find the ones that like really feel like they answer that pain in you, like they really get to the core of what you feel and it makes sense. And this this can be tricky to do. And um, this is really a reason, you know, I've talked about coaching and how I'm starting to offer coaching and I have very limited number of spots, but this is a great reason to hire me as a coach. It is hard to figure out those words sometimes. I've led this led people in this in therapy and in group settings and it always takes like a little bit of back and forth to make sure you have the right words. And there is something really powerful about having those right words because it really just kind of I don't know, it just connects to your heart and it helps really solidify the work we're going to do here. So if you're struggling to figure out these core words, make sure you grab a coaching session. It's really going to help you just put all of this into practice. But going back to what I was saying, you can look at your childhood and dig in and figure out what you feel there. Or you can go to this morning when you had a conflict with your husband in the kitchen. (laughs) It really doesn't matter if it was yesterday or 30 years ago, because our, our core pain words are going to be consistent across time. 
And so if you, especially if you're someone that's like not ready to go there with your childhood, maybe it's, it's full of trauma and you know, you need to see a therapist, but you just can't take the leap yet. And so you're here just to get like a start in this journey. This would be a good option for you is just to look at your current relationships. Sometimes for people, that's just even going to be more clear because it's more recent. So what did you feel when you were in conflict with your husband? What was coming up inside of you? Make sure you go into the show notes and download the full list of these feeling words so that you can help have more more words to identify what might be going on inside of you. This part of it is really something that we kind of have to do together because it's so personalized. And and maybe you're going to find those yourself in that list and that's great. But today there's not much I can I can elaborate on besides just going into my own story and sharing kind of my core feeling words and how they were created in me and how they look in my life. So I'm going to share just a few examples in my life. And, you know, I'm just trying to kind of stay surface level here. And also, you know, the pain from my past is kind of more nuanced, I would say, than a lot of people. Like I know a lot of people I've talked about that have been through severe trauma. And so like their pain words come out of much bigger things, much deeper things than the examples I'm going to give you today. I hope you know that wherever you're at, whatever you've experienced, this content is going to help you. And again, if it is that big trauma, really recommend finding that therapist to walk with you through this. Check out the show notes for a link to restoration therapists. Even if there's not one in your area, there's probably some that can do telehealth these days. Almost every therapist does some form of telehealth. And so I I really hope that you can find someone to walk through this with you at a deeper level. Okay, but jumping into my core words, I The thing that I feel again and again is alone, out of control, and inadequate. Now, if you've heard my story in episode one, you could probably see some of these, how they might have showed up and and how they might have influenced some of those struggles and what that looked like. So I'm just going to share one example from each of them, but you can kind of see them show up in all of my story. Okay, so the first one alone. So <laughs> the the clearest memory I have of this, and I know this 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 pain word was was formed much earlier before this moment. Usually our pain words start like when we're really little. But there's this clear memory I have of my my family we were in the living room I don't know we're watching tv or playing a game and my brother is about 18 months younger than me and I remember he went and sat on my mom's lap and you know she was just putting her arms around him and they were just like you know hugging each other and being cute and I just remember feeling so alone I I felt like I don't know I had this thought like well my mom doesn't do that with me why is she doing that with him? Like she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't see me like that. She doesn't want to be close to me like that. I'm just alone. I'm just on my own. and, And I don't have that kind of relationship with anyone. And I don't even know. I don't think that's true. Like I, I don't remember (laughs) if, you know, I was more physically affectionate with my mom when I was younger, you know, this part age, I was probably like in elementary school. 
And honestly, it was probably more than anything because maybe I just wasn't physically affectionate. Like to this day, I don't really like physical affection. It's not, you know, part of, if you've heard of the love languages, is not anywhere near my top love language. And so, you know, maybe it was just because my brother, one, he's younger. So the baby's always probably going to get most of that physical affection, but then maybe that's one of his. And so I share this example specifically because one, it's a strong memory that, that leads me to this feeling of being alone. But also this pain that shows up in us, (laughs) again, is impossible not to wound our kids. My mom had no idea that that was happening in that moment. Of course, she didn't mean for that to happen. I know she loves me deeply and she is with me. Like, I, I know the truth. I am not alone. I am, I am, I'm surrounded by people that are with me and love me and know me and want to be around me. But in that moment, the way I perceived that situation, I felt alone. And that's another example of how, about how these threats that trigger our pain response can either be real threats or imagined threats. And I really think this is a really great example of an imagined threat. Like, I know my family was with me. I know my mom was with me. And I remember feeling this also in my struggle with depression. And, you know, I talked about in episode one, just sitting on my bed, feeling so alone and feeling so scared and, and in this place of despair. But I also talked about how my family like tried so hard to get me into therapy. And so I know, you know, looking back, I can see they were with me, but I just wouldn't let anyone into that. And so a lot of this we are creating for ourselves. Now, I know you might have some real wounds where people actually hurt you, that they intentionally, they actually did something that was not okay, that that harmed you. But either way, it creates that same response in us. It triggers our fight or flight. Remember, doesn't matter the size of the conflict, doesn't matter the size of the situation, big or small our fight or flight gets activated when we perceive pain. Okay, the second thing I feel again and again is out of control. Now, my idea about where this came from is I believe it's because my parents would argue. Now, I have to stop because I... I remember them arguing a lot. Like, you know, even just those little conflicts that you know, from the outside might be really uncomfortable, but when you're the one in it, it just is like a normal conversation. You know, you're just used to that style of conversation. So I really think in general, this is what happened is I pers- I was very sensitive to any tone of conflict because I reflected this back to my parents uh, in recent years and said, you know, I feel like part of what I struggled with is, you know, you're arguing and, you know, they were not Uh, There was no, like, domestic violence. There was no, like, real fighting. Like, we're just talking about normal arguments that couples have. And when I reflected that back to them, like, they were even confused. Like, did we really argue that much? I don't remember arguing that much. (laughs) And they're really honest. I mean, they've talked to me in recent years, like, as an adult, about the struggles that they had in their marriage and, you know, how counseling really saved their marriage. And so I know they're honest. And so really to them, they didn't even see this. Isn't that, isn't that just so interesting? 
this is just another example of how inevitable it is that we're going to wound our kids. Like we're not even going to see it half of the time. And I mean, to me, it also just highlights our need for a savior, you know, that we're all broken. We all mess up. And when we hurt each other, it leads to wounds that contribute to them messing up. It just highlights to me our need for Jesus and hallelujah that he has paid the price. We don't have to live in shame. There is victory. There is freedom. And so I just think it's an amazing testament to God. And while, you know, their arguing affected me, their their marriage is honestly one of the biggest gifts that they've given me. They they struggled, but they chose to stay together and they sought out counseling and they they clung to this commitment they made to each other regardless of how they were feeling and they persevered through it and I am I couldn't be more grateful. That is such an amazing example, a gift that they have given me. Now, if you're listening and you have made a different choice or things ended a different way, or maybe it's your parents that didn't stay together, just remember we all have different wounds and it's okay. Like there's no escaping this. Our stories are going to look different, but we all have the same thing happen. We're going to have wounds that create these patterns of pain. Whatever your story is, you're right in there with us. And there is absolutely hope for you, regardless of where your starting place is. Now, I also know that my son is going to have similar wounds to me, which is pretty common. I mean, we usually either repeat our parents' patterns or we go the opposite way, sometimes like too far in the opposite direction. And so for me, I know me and my husband generally are a very high conflict couple. That is just how we've always been now as God has really healed me and redeemed a lot of my life and my anger. This has decreased for sure. And they have become a lot more healthy conflict because also, (laughs) just a side note, conflict is healthy if done in the right way. Marriages need conflict to grow. It's, It's a healthy part of being in a marriage. But over the years, our conflicts have not always been healthy. And as much as we try and not argue in front of our son, it's happened. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, you know, we just make a bad decision. And so I know that some of the pain that I've experienced, he is also going to be the recipient of it. And I hate that. And I'm, you know, doing everything I can to change that. But I also... You know, like I talk about, I'm just embracing this idea that I'm going to wound my kids and um, not embracing in a way where I'm not trying to heal and move forward and become a better mom, but just in a way that I'm not going to take on any shame because, you know, I know I am doing my best. I meet with God every morning and I am praying through it all and I am working as hard as I can to be the best mom for my kids, just like I know you are. I know you are. Whether you believe it or not, you are doing everything in your power. The fact that you are listening here right now, it shows that you want to grow. You want to heal. You want to take a step in health and in your relationships and in your parenting. And so, I know you are doing an amazing job and there's always another step we can all take, another step of growth, another step of healing. And so as I've healed, I began to, you know, we still would have some conflict in front of our kids, even though it decreased, even though it got healthier. And so now I have a couple strategies in place for when that happens. And I can't remember where I heard these originally, probably in a sermon from my church, but these have been really powerful in, in my parenting with my kids. 
So the first tip, and I actually think maybe I heard this one in grad school, is if you're going to start the argument in front of your kids, try and finish the argument in front of them. Because what often happens is that kids, you know, see the beginning of an argument and they see like the ugly parts of it. And then the parents will go off to their room to resolve it because, you know, you're trying not to argue in front of your kids. So at some point you realize, okay, we need to stop this, which is good. But then they don't get to see the resolution part. They don't get to learn from that and understand what that looks like when two humans can resolve something. And I think that's just such powerful learning to give to your kids. So, I mean, best case scenario don't have those big arguments in front of your kids. But if you if you end up letting that happen, make sure they get to see you resolve it. Help them understand what happened and then have a conversation with them afterwards saying, hey, like, this is how your daddy and I resolved this. You know, we both had two different perspectives and that happens a lot. Obviously, you have to change your language based on their age, but just kind of explaining to them like what you did to resolve that, especially if they're not getting to see the end of that argument help them understand what it looked like to walk through that and to come back to be on the same page on the same team. And the second thing is if you do have any of that like ugly conflict, the unhealthy stuff come out, even even tone of voice, any words spoken, anything that you think merits an apology, don't just apologize to your husband, though do that too, especially in front of your kids, but apologize to your kids. Say Hey, honey, I'm so sorry. I should not have spoken to daddy that way. It's not okay to talk to him like that. I was angry and I didn't handle it very well. And I'm going to work really hard next time to take a pause and talk to God before I continue a conversation with your daddy like that so that I don't speak to him that way. And I just, I think that's so powerful. You're just, again, modeling that apology. I've talked about in previous episodes how powerful that can be to kids. But then you're also just showing them that it's not okay to talk to people that way. You know, we want to, to our kids are going to learn so much more from what we do than what we say. Letting them see you apologizing to them and owning up for those mistakes you made is so powerful. Okay, the third thing that I feel again and again is inadequate, and I've talked about this a lot with, you know, just the fact that I've started this podcast and how, you know, even two years ago, I never would have done it. Like, it, this idea is terrifying to me because I'm so worried of people's judgment. I'm so, I had this belief that held me back for so long that I just wasn't good enough or there's something wrong with me. And so this has been a very pervasive belief throughout my entire life. And looking back, it's it's always been a little confusing to decipher, like, where did this come from? What, what was the origin of it? And after kind of digging... My conclusion is I think it was predominantly from my dad, but hear me out on this because his every intention was actually to do the opposite of this. He was very good with words of affirmation and telling us all the time, like, you are so talented. Wow, you're so good at this. Look at what a good job you did. You know, celebrating our wins. He just was always trying to speak that life into us, you know? He would even say, you don't have to be the best, just do your best. (laughs) And so it's so funny, funny, I don't know if that's the right word, but that I ended up, you know, taking on this sense of inadequacy from him. But I think it's 
because he, if you follow the Enneagram, is also a one. And, you know, like I've shared, I like personality tests to just help us feel known and seen. I don't think they define who we are, but I think we can learn some stuff from them. And, you know, a one on the Enneagram, you know, one of the biggest characteristics of being a one is you have this really loud inner critic and this inner critic is just always in your ear telling you what you're doing isn't good enough you know just just bringing you down all the time and so I'm a one just like my dad and so I know he also struggles with this inner critic and part of what fuels the voice of the inner critic is this perfectionism and so as as ones, like we tend to strive towards perfectionism, which is only going to give that inner critic more and more fuel because we are literally trying to live up to impossible standards. It's it's obviously never possible to be perfect. And so we are constantly up against this comparison to something that's not even attainable. I think like watching him or maybe how he helped me with my projects or just like these little subconscious things, I somehow picked up this this deep sense of inadequacy that I've always struggled with. And, you know, it's it's a testament too to like all of your unresolved stuff you're going to pass down to your kids. And I I say that from a place of I'm already starting to see a lot of my qualities, these these perfectionistic tendencies in my three-year-old son. And I have done years of work trying to grow and heal from this and change my mindset. And, you know, but that's still there because that's a part of my wounding. And though it doesn't have full control over me anymore, I I I it's lost its power. But that tendency to to slip back into that mindset or to see things through that mindset is still there. And obviously it is because my son is picking up on this. So that's just a small window into some of the things that contributed to my pain points. What are the things that I feel again and again? And so I hope like hearing that you can get an idea of, of what this looks like, how to go there. And then I have just a few steps for you to try and figure out what your core words are. So first, the story that you wrote uh, about yourself from a couple episodes ago, from your past, I want you to go through and just read that. Have it fresh on your mind. Have it in front of you. If you don't want to go there, just a reminder that you can do the same stuff with stuff from yesterday. So maybe write down any conflict from the last week so that you can have that to reference. Second, go into the show notes, download the full word list of these core feelings so that you can look at those. You can even just go in and circle the top three, maybe four that really stand out to you that feel like these might be the ones. And if you're not certain or you just kind of want to confirm them, then go look back at your story. Pick out the the different themes or situations and one by one go through and ask yourselves these questions. And again, you can do this with more recent stuff as well. It could be the same questions. But here's some questions that might get at those core feelings. What did that situation say about you? Now, we know this isn't what it really says about you, but what did you believe it said about you? 
another one that can help is how did that situation make you feel about yourself? Or you could even go present tense. And how do you feel about yourself? Like when you're in the middle of that conflict, how do you feel about yourself? So you can kind of use both of these things and go back and forth and just really try and hone in on what those core words are. Now, remember, if you're struggling with this step, there is coaching available. I would love to help you with this. Also, if you just want to go deeper into this world, restoration therapists are amazing. You can find one in the show notes, a link to a website to find them. And also, if you are familiar with the Holy Spirit's voice, lean into the Holy Spirit in this exercise. Just ask God, like, God, what is it that I believe about myself? What did I take on as a kid? What are these things that are inside of me? You can ask those same questions just right to God, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal them to you. Okay, I'm praying over you as you do this. I believe it's going to be really powerful just to find that that word to describe what you felt. And I can't wait to see where it takes you. Next week, we are going to piece all of these things together. And I really think your mind is going to be blown by the next step. It's my favorite part just in understanding what I do, why I do it, why other people do their stuff. And it's just really helpful. So I'm excited to unpack that for you next episode. So make sure you're getting this done so that you can really utilize these tools that I am giving you. Make sure you come check us out in the Facebook group. We will dig into this. I do lives every week just to go a little bit deeper into these topics and to give you a visual demonstration. You can ask questions. So make sure you're in the group Morning Mama Collective on Facebook. You can find the link in the show notes as well. All right, Mama. Can't wait to see you next episode. Have an amazing day. And this is going to be an amazing process for you. I just know it. If you found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you.